Well, welcome to We've Got Issues, girl. We have a very exciting episode today. My name is Carrie. And I'm Skye. And we've had some issues today. Some technical issues. Couldn't tell. Yes. Some technical issues. Um, We wanted to go live, but uh, we couldn't. So here we are on Zoom instead. Uh, But we are joined by, guests we're really excited about, Ruth Leonard and Julian Mack. They're here together. We are. Together United, everybody! Together United! Oh, I wish Carrie and I were in the same room. We could do that. (laughs) I know. So why don't we kick this off by Ruth and Julian just telling us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about Together United. Tell us about Community Solidarity Response Network. Just tell us all the things. All right. Um, I'll kick it off. So my name is Ruth Leonard and I am a teacher and an activist and uh, an educator and I have uh, the pleasure of being one half of the Together United team. Um, Together United is a political pop culture podcast um, where basically we discuss everything from local politics to what Beyonce ate that morning. Um, (laughs) We have been around uh, in an unofficial capacity for about three years, um, working as a podcast, if you will. And we are also members of the Community Solidarity Response Network, which operates as the Black Lives Matter chapter in Toledo. Yeah, my name is Julian Mack. I'm an organizer and activist, um, kind of jack of all trades, master of none. Um, but, but, you know, it's really important that, I think especially at times like this, that we uh, support independent media Right. Um, I know me and Ruth initially uh, started doing Together United because we felt like it was important to get just uh, common folks commentary on like what was going on and like how important that is to kind of speak in a language that people understand. Sometimes people talk over in, in a, a, like an effort to kind of impress. I, I don't know who, but um, <laughs> It's important right? to like speak with people in a in a common tongue that folks understand, and so um, and make these issues real. Yeah, I totally agree. That's why Sky and I started our podcast because, um, you know, campaigning and talking to people, it was always very clear that, at least for us, women don't really like politics that much, and I think it's for the same reasons. No one's talking like normal people right. no one's breaking right. it down in a way that we can all kind of take little bites of and figure things out mm-hmm. together instead it's all you hear about nancy pelosi and chuck schumer and all these people that sound right. very smart um where's my kids don't really think they are but <laughs> yeah. where's my kente cloth ruth is that the dry cleaner with I'm, nancy I'm pelosi missing, i'm missing my kente cloth <laughs> oh my god Oh my God, will you talk a little bit about that today? Tell, will you um, listen on what happened? And um, was that a little tone deaf? It felt a little tone deaf. Tone deaf is not the word. What's the word? Oh my gosh, like I saw it and I legitimately thought it was a meme. Because (laughs) at no point would I ever say, yeah, it looked like, there's one where they all have one koofies as well. And so that one was Photoshopped. And I was just like, okay, this just must be a joke. And then I realized that the koofy was the only, like the little hat was the only thing that was added. And I'm like, no, we don't, we don't want this. We don't, we didn't ask for this. Mm -mm. This is not like, and 
the worst part about it is that I've spent so much time kind of in the political realm that I know what performative politics looks like. And it's like, I don't need you to put on a kente cloth and take a knee if you're already in a position of power right. to just change the laws. I just need you to change the laws. Right. Like, I don't need you to, 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 to put on your, your put, go to your black friends and be like, okay, what do you think about this outfit? What do you think about, no, just go to your office in your three-piece suit and sign the legislation. Like, right. Yeah. I, I mean, fine. I initially thought that uh, it was the trailer for Black Panther 2, and I was very disappointed. Um, I, I, I was like, wow. <laughs> oh my wow, uh, Marvel really fell off. But, <laughs> um, so, the on this one, guys. So oh, I, I think gosh. that it's really important, though, um, so that, like, this politi political theater does not uh, continue, right? Like, yeah. these are very, very serious issues. People's right. lives are at stake. And, um, and, and, you know, we have to say it out loud, like Democrats are very much responsible for building up um, and injecting all of this money into uh, policing institutions, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, um, while I think that there is a very blunt racist aspect to the Republican Party too, right, like to, um, to kind of give this performance like we're supposed to all just fall in line as black people when right. um, I think there's, there's a failure to atone for the mistakes of the past. Mm -hmm. um, so I think very, very many people are skeptical of this moment Definitely. Um, and, and kind of this, this present moment that we're in. Right. And yeah. I think that's, that's justified. Yeah. Cause I mean, when you look at the, the political parties, I think that, Looking at the, the past 50 or so years, you see how racism plays a role on both sides. Now, on the Republican side, it's a much more overt. It's, it's, it's the, the dog whistle politics. It's the Confederate flag, things of that nature. With the Democratic side, the racism is just as rampant, but it shows up in things like the three strikes legislation. It shows up in different areas of, um, of not only performative politics, but also politics that hurt and target black and brown communities. And there's been this idea that the, that the Democrats are the ones who are on our side for the black community. But when you look at the actual legislation that has passed, there's still a very real separation, even in the Democratic Party, of right. the poor black community and the middle class white community. Right. There, there's a real conversation of what I, I call and others called the, the blackness leadership class, yeah. right? Which is uh, kind of this um, elevated bourgeoisie class of gatekeepers mm -hmm. that end up speaking for right. many in the black community right. and uh, really kind of exploit that position for um, personal gain right. uh, and really stop the transformative actions that many um, poor and working class black people experience in poverty. Mm -hmm. um, and like uh, their trade-off is, is like this proximity to power, right? right? And, and, mm -hmm. and proximity to power does, does not mean actual power for black people, huh. right? So yeah. just like, just because we have a, a black face and a high place does not translate to black political power, right? right? And, and I think that we, um, sometimes, and, and I and I would even dare I 
dare I say, and, and I don't want to get into this area where, where I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm answering, but, but I think that that happens um, sometimes. I think that happens with black folks. And I think that that can sometimes happen with, with women too. Like, oh, like yeah. definitely with, with like Sarah Palin. Right. So, oh, God. so like, for example, like just because there was a woman in this powerful right. position, right. right. Or potentially powerful position did not mean that uh, she was changing the material condition for right. women. Right. right. And so like, there's this mascot uh, or like this um, okay. uh, celebrity no. worship culture yeah around especially national politics that I think is a real problem. Oh, yeah. 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 And not just national, too. It's, it's on the local level, too. I know mm -hmm. that we've all dealt with, you know, different things on, on local levels, too. So it's not, it's all over the place, um, right. whether it's performative, whether it's, um, you know, to a token spot for a certain mm -hmm. minority group or whatever. I mean, we see it, we see it a lot of different places. So, um, I'm glad we can have this really candid talk because I, I always learn something from you guys. I am, I'm, I'm still trying to learn more. I think that's what I think white people need to learn about being an ally is that you don't just like get a certificate, but like, Oh, you're an ally. Like it's over. Good job. You're done. You always have to continually learn and, and grow. And, and, and I also think that's a good part about being, um, an anti-racist too, because you're not admitting that you're just not a racist. You're, you're saying like, listen, I'm like trying to figure this out in my own head mm -hmm. as well as yeah. how to help black people at the same time. And so like, right. I've and got recognizing right. like the really hard actual work it takes to like mm -hmm. check your peers yeah. and to, right. to go through those exercises yourself, like check your ego, step back, like actively learning how to actively listen. Right. Um, is a is a struggle for a lot of folks i'm realizing <laughs> and the thing that that i like really uh that i like really push for people who are just now getting active in mm -hmm. this work is when you show up you show up as an ally so when you show up to those protests you're showing up to say i am here to help you in any way that i possibly can yeah but the goal is in this fight for all of those allies to become accomplices because right now we're in a very real fight where on some level people feel as to say Black Lives Matter is criminal. And so if you wanna take that approach to the fight that we're in right now, then we're gonna need accomplices to, mm -hmm. uh, to accomplish our goal of making it so that it's possible to live in a world where Black Lives Matter, where yeah. my black skin is no longer a threat. And so we need people, just like you talked about the organizing of, uh, of having to unlearn your biases and, and doing all of that work. That comes, if you're, if you're planning a crime, you have to organize how you're going to execute these different areas, right? And so if we're planning to, to overthrow white supremacy, we have to have people who are going to be in different rooms in order to execute our, our goal, if you will. And so that's why I really... I really encourage people because there was one woman that was at um, at a protest in Ottawa Hills, and she was like, "I I I love what you said, but you know I'm I'm I've never broken a law, and so I'm really worried about considering myself an accomplice. I got to get used <laughs> to that language." And I'm like, "Take your time, get used to it, however you can, but just recognize that the same like methodology of of if you will robbing a bank." 
and saying, okay, we got to be here. We got to do this. We got to mark this out. That same mentality is going to be needed in order to overthrow, like I said, white supremacy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. When you say and, kids, and the I think of like Ocean's Eleven when there's like yes! all sorts of like, you know, different people that exactly. are trying to like rob the casino or whatever. Like, are we right. at Ocean's Eleven right now? Like, yes. This I'm, in. I'm, I'm ready, guys. I'm in. Like, ready I got somebody it. helping to overthrow a Mexican dice making factory. I got somebody else <laughs> that's working in the casino. I got somebody else that can fit in really small spaces. Like, exactly. you're all good at something. Exactly. So I think talking about um, that woman you, you met at the protest who's like trying to change the way she thinks about things, I want to just dive right into this because I think for most white people, mm-hmm. trying to figure out whether defunding the police is something that is attainable or mm-hmm. safe or, you know, whatever, like, let's talk about defunding the police because I think that's what let's everyone has about questions it. about. And I think it's very scary for some white people, right? Because like, oh, mm-hmm. what happens if this like mystery criminal breaks into my house? Who's going to save right. me? Um, so like, let's let's talk about defunding police. Okay. So, for, so okay. first, if a mystery criminal breaks into uh, mm-hmm. our house in our neighborhood, uh, it takes a significant amount of time for the police to show up. Period. Two, um, Ruth actually has a story where the mystery person that popped in our house was the, the police. police. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So um, back when I was running for office, uh, I want to say like in maybe August um, of 2017, there were two police officers that showed up in my living room. Um, now, mind right you, I live in a duplex. I, I live in a duplex home. So you have to walk in first through an enclosed porch, then you have to walk into the actual house, then you have to walk up the stairs, and then you have to walk into the house, like the apartment. And so I thought it was Julian coming in the house because you don't really expect police to show up. And so I come around the corner and I'm in a t-shirt and like some boy shorts and I see two police officers just standing in my living room. So I slowly back out. And I go in, back into my room and I put on pants and I come back out and they're like, oh, we have this piece of mail for you. And I'm what? like, mail? And they were like, yeah, we wanted to make sure you got it. Mind you, it wasn't a piece of mail that needed a signature. It wasn't a piece of mail that, that, that required it to be delivered. It wasn't a subpoena. It was literally a piece of mail that had already been, that already had a stamp on it. So at some point, they grabbed the mail from the, 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 the desk of whomever to take it and carry it into my apartment. And so they're just standing there and I'm like, what, why are you here? And they're like, oh, we just wanted to drop this off. And they, I asked if everything was okay, like, because police aren't supposed to just be in your home. And so they stayed for like maybe two minutes max because I was just asking them questions, like trying to figure out why they were here. And as they walk out, they say, make sure you lock your doors. And that is what really tipped off my belief that I, I, I don't like cops. Like, like, I was already at a point of, you know, like, ah, cops can stay over there. You know, I come from PG County. PG County has some of the worst rates for uh, police officers, and it's also one of the only predominantly Black communities. So it's a problem with police officers all around the country. But to have two police officers standing in my house and then to walk out and have a smart remark is just like, okay, so there's just no respect 
whatsoever. Right. So, so like that, I think what that story illustrates is the expanded role that policing has experienced really over the last uh, 40 years. Apparently, they also work at the post office. Yeah, yeah I was just yeah. going to say so that. Now. Police cool. officer obviously de delivers mail sometimes, right? They end up being substance abuse counselors. They end up being uh, social workers. They end up being, uh, obviously, traffic lights, you know what I mean, right. and things yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Like, there's this whole expanded role of what police officers have done and and, and, and what they mm -hmm. are expected to do. And they're not and, trained for anything. And I think even officers, right, themselves would say, would be critical of this expanded role and how they're expected to do so many things, yeah. right? Now, this is a result of, uh, through the 70s, 80s, 90s, and, you know, even 2000s, Right, the erosion of the um, of so so many social safety net services, the defunding right. of education, right. um, mm -hmm. the taking away of uh, mental health institutions and mental health treatment, um, and the myriad of different um, things that help actually help people in society. Right. right? So the uh, the resources of the community, if you will. Exactly. So uh, a strong indicator of what community is the safest is not how many police are in that community, right? right? It's, how, it's how many, how much resources are in that community, mm -hmm. right? And so essentially, um, we have been, you know, we, we have the Watts riots, you know what I mean? Right, you know, then 92 and Rodney King and, 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 you know, we see America continue to throw more and more and more and more and more and more and more, and more money at the police, thinking that would solve the problem right. when in fact, uh, it actually exacerbates the problem, right. causing um, breaking up of families, um, causing separation, you know what I mean, of children and, and kids, all, all types of stuff, right. and and really not handling the mental health issues, and I would say exaggerating many of the mental health right. issues Definitely. in the community, yeah. um, while their budgets continue to get bigger and bigger. Right. And so essentially, you know, what we're saying is, you know, we need to die best mm -hmm. um, from... Uh, law enforcement and actually reduce the role that police do, which would probably make them a, a, a lot more effective mm -hmm. in their job. Because if somebody breaks in your house nine times out of 10, or at least eight times out of 10, they don't even they don't solve it. They don't have anything yeah. for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, and so, right, like, how can we make our put these resources in our communities, mm -hmm. right, so that we're actually safer right? right and and what's ironic and why you know i remember a time in my life when uh republicans were actually called themselves fiscally responsible i mean and it, it is in fact the fiscally responsible thing to do like i hate mm -hmm. talking about human beings and the in the in the uh words of like numbers but um when you talk about the military industrial complex mm -hmm. and, and the mass amounts of people in prison which essentially equates to slavery in these days because slavery is legal in America as long as you've been convicted of a crime and there's many multinational corporations that are profiting um, off of our prisoners and free labor. Um, so uh, essentially, um, whoo, I think I got so deep, I, I, I lost my Okay. Okay, so essentially what has to happen and what is meant by defunding the police is divesting from the police and reinvesting that money into our social service programs. So that means that, like, for instance, 
TPS did a survey, I want to say last year, and one of the biggest concerns that their students said that they had was depression. So if you are going to a school and you are depressed, it makes learning that much more harder. But you are looking at a school that for many, many, many of the, I want to say 50 schools in TPS, there are uh, counselors who have to split their time between two buildings. So you get a counselor two days a week at one school, three days a week at another, and then it flips and it flops. But if I'm suffering from depression as a student, I need someone there at any given time that I can talk to. So investing into our schools means making sure that you have counselors, making sure that you have nurses, making sure that there are school psychologists. Um, we also are seeing- Can I throw out some numbers real quick? Yes. Okay, so let me throw out some numbers real quick. 1. million students- Nope, 1.7. Uh, okay, excuse me, 1.7 million students are in schools with police, but no counselors. Mm. Three million students are in schools with police, but no nurses. Six million students are in schools with police, but no school psychologists. Uh. 10 million students are in schools with police, but no social workers. And 14 million students are in schools with police, but no counselor, nurse, psychologist, or social worker. And when you think about the school to prison pipeline, Right, and how we're conditioning third graders right, right to be um, really modified citizens of the, 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 this corporate state. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. That's that's how that happens. Right. right. We're we're treating our kids um, in a way. In, in, in we're treating them as entities to be bought and sold by the prison industrial complex. That's the first thing. Right. So you take money because once again, TPD has I think it's a ninety million dollar budget that they use every year. <laughs> So yep. even if you take half of that, if you defund the police by half, now you have $45 million. That can go to schools. That can go to making sure that um, things like the jobs and family services. There are plenty of opportunities for the job and family service to expand their resources to get into the community even more so than they already are to make sure that the communities that need that direct help. So if it's setting up and scheduling an appointment, but you don't have a car, there's someone that can come to you. If it's getting a state ID, there's someone that can take you to the BMV. It's making sure that your community is not lacking resources. Because when we talk about crime, crime happens when there's a lack of resources. So we need to defund the police so that we can invest and reinvigorate our communities. So oftentimes the, the desperate condition of poverty right. is what leads to crime. Right. And also I think that there is, there's, there's this misunderstanding, I think, when it comes to the different ways of looking at how we deal with the police. I think that when you have this conversation or when people have the conversation around, say, the white community, when they say defund, they hear abolition. Yeah. They hear the complete mm -hmm. abolishment of the police. Mm -hmm. And that's a step that I think if, if things don't get better, that may be the only option that's left. Sure. But right now, even if we look locally, we there's an initiative right now that's coming from uh, Councilmember Nick Comives, where all he wants the police to do, yes, 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 <laughs> all he wants the police to do is have a business card and... Like, say, for instance, when those two officers came and they were standing in my apartment, they would leave their business card. So at the very least, I could say, okay, officer such and such and so and so were here, and I don't appreciate that. 
but yeah. it's being held up in committee and it's already been confirmed through um, Julian's conversation with Gary Johnson because I guess he's in tight with the police unions that it's going to be held up in committee. Why is it that passing out a business card when you already are a civil servant is that much of a big deal? I have no issue if, if, if my job gave me business cards to say I'm an educator, please, if you have anything to say about me as an educator, I want you to be able to contact me or contact my principal. Like, I don't understand this need for secrecy, especially when you're dealing with a time that it's rampant violence. It's mm -hmm. rampant violence that's being uh, excused by the police. In some cases, it, it's being uh, breaking, broken and put back together by the mayor so that it's in this neat little box. It, it's, if we can't get business cards, like, like we're, we're asking for, for a very small amount I think when we look at Toledo locally, we're asking for business cards. Like it's going to be more steps, but if you can't give us business cards, then don't be surprised if we get to the point of abolition. Right. We're moving past the point where reform, um, like we, we listen, we're trying, we are trying, we're being to nice. reform. <laughs> we're trying to reform, you know, but, uh, if, if we keep running into, you know, this brick wall right. and these reforms don't manifest into actual uh, material changes in people's lives, then, you know, um, I, I have no, then revolution is the next step, right? right. And, and in, in a capitalistic society, that means defunding, right? Yeah. That means, you know, effectively taking away um, their power. Taking away the SWAT tank. Yeah. Why is that necessary? It's probably millions of dollars as well to keep that thing right. Because there's a war on drugs, which is a war on brown and black people. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. What is this? I keep seeing, um, and I've, you know, saved the little graphic of it, the Eight Can't Wait campaign. Yes. Okay. So the Eight That Can't Wait. Um, so that's the reform side, yeah. where okay. we talk about, um, like I said, there are two different sides. We can reform and, and, and we'll be nice and we just want business cards and we want these, these certain things to be put in place, or we can have a full revolution and an abolition. So the eight can't so, wait is? Yeah, so the eight can't wait um, are eight policies that derive from Campaign Zero, right? Now, I've been trying mm -hmm. to push for Campaign Zero for since about 2016, right? Oh, wow. Which is a comprehensive 10-point plan uh, that um, basically, by limiting police interactions, um, interventions, and having accountability, mm -hmm. can theoretically speaking take police violence down to zero, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, the police violence and killings and murders and things like that is a uniquely American problem, right? We don't have this problem in other countries. Um, so out of that, with the uh, use of, so out of that, there were eight policies, eight can't wait policies. Um, so it's important it's framed right, right? So out of this 10 point plan, right? There's one point with the use of force policies. Mm -hmm. And out of that, there, there becomes eight, um, policies that can limit use of force where okay. if practiced um, and this is you know there's some discussion about the the evidence of, of this number uh, st statistically speaking it's said that it can reduce police violence by 72 percent 
right? These include banning chokeholds and strangleholds, uh, requiring de-escalation, uh, require warning before shooting, requires, um, it re requires exhaust all alternatives before shooting, a duty to intervene, which we didn't see with George Floyd, mm -hmm. uh, ban at shooting, a ban at shooting moving vehicles, Philando uh, uh, Castile, Castile. Uh, requires uh, force, use of force continuum, um, and uh, requires comprehensive um, reporting, right? If, mm -hmm. if use of force is, is, is enacted. Um, uh, it was just announced today, I think uh, about an hour or so ago, uh, Mayor Wade Capsicabbage announced that Toledo now, uh, I think earlier last week or something, we had six of the eight. Um, and he says now we have all eight of the eight. And we basically have six of the eight. They still used, they ignored all of those policies last Saturday when they reacted to protesters in a violent way. And then we're not the only city that did that too. Like we're not the only city that's saying like, oh, we already have these eight, but yeah, like across the nation, we're seeing violence by police on protesters. And so it almost seems to me, it seems like this is not enough. Like this, mm -hmm. there's exactly. it seems totally reasonable, and yet not enough. And in Minneapolis, they had all eight already. Mm -hmm. And look at what happened to George Floyd. Yeah. Right. And, and I really, I don't want to go any further in this in this podcast without talking about Breonna Taylor, yeah. uh, whose killers are still police officers and still right. on the loose. Right. Um, and we see how, you know, there's kind of this, um, you know, we see how the narrative pushes forward black mm -hmm. men um, when this thing happens, um, but can ignore the harm uh, that happens to black women, right? And there is also That's a lack of accountability that happens to women, right? Yeah. Like, we need to they came in the, her house and right. shot her right and there's still police officers and have yet to be held accountable right yeah. um and so like sometimes yeah. like unfortunately this is what is so fucked up about all of this is because what happened to her wasn't caught on tape for some reason like it's excusable or you can find some sort of excuse right, right? like i think of trayvon martin where that was not caught on tape and so that he could, Zimmerman could say like, oh, I was afraid of him. And so there's this like issue of, I think a lot, of, I, I don't want to like always compare things to like women's issues, but that's just how I naturally think, no. right? And yeah. one of the things okay. that I'm trying to like shake off, but I think of like rape cases where it's always comes down to he said, she said, and there's never enough evidence. And so like Breonna Taylor, because it wasn't caught on tape, we we now are going to just believe the police when like <laughs> there's all yeah. this evidence that shows us not to believe police or not to believe anybody and it's i don't know it's like that's what's so fucked up about all of this is that it took a video of george floyd to now finally get outraged by everyone when right y'all have been saying this stuff for years as long as i've known you right and we've been trying to scream this from the rooftop for years but right. um it's that's what's so fucked up about and 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 the police brutality against protesters like that's been happening for years too but like because right. now everybody's got a cell phone camera it's like oh, okay now we believe you and now black lives matter that's why like this whole thing is just right um it feels different this time because of that but it's like fuck you for taking so long to, to <laughs> for this to happen you know like i'm right. sure you guys feel the same way but um, yeah, I mean, it's and it's and I compare this moment in a lot of ways to uh, the fire hoses in the '60s when people were protesting uh, segregation, mm -hmm. right? Like it wasn't until it was clear, like 
Like, I, I think a lot of people were naive to the over-policing and excessive use of force mm -hmm. that happens in Black spaces, Yeah. right? And, and, and I would even say that, um, you know, people at even the Saturday protests in, in Toledo, right, like, okay, here's a hot take. I think that there are people on the far right and there's people on the far left that don't hang out around about a bunch of Black people. Mm -hmm. Right and aren't used to functioning in black in black spaces, right. and I think that they that liberties were taken, um, and they behaved uh, in a way like they were used like they usually function in white spaces, like say after maybe a college football game or right. a team wins mm. championship, right? And you know you don't get pepper gas uh, uh, shot with rubber bullets and tear gas, you know, when Ohio State beats Michigan, so. You think you can do that, and you know, and you can flip over a car and burn it, and it's okay, right? But we know, as as black folks, that that could mean a loss of your life. Wearing a hoodie could mean the loss of your life. Playing your music too loud could mean a loss of your life. And so, like, I think, um, kind of this reoccurring theme that show, that's kind of came in this conversation, I think, is is allyship. And when you're an ally, you show up. You don't show up how and help. Like, and, I, and this is something I've had to learn, like over the past six years, like I've definitely had to, had to learn the hard way by people just telling me and correcting me. But like, you don't show up in the way that you want to help them. You show up in the way that the person that needs help wants you to help them, right? right? And I think part of that is, is some of the issue that, that, that uh, kind of happened and and in this space right? right so yeah well we're all growing and we're all learning and i think right. um, it doesn't feel different this time like does this feel like bigger than there was a black lives matter uh march in ottawa hill something, <laughs> something. Oh, there was one in oregon and i know and, you know our little yeah. supper, carrie had one in mommy and i know like i i think i, I didn't i never expected that ever this the first time I think in the five years that I've been actively involved that we're not just looking at one aspect of change. Mm -hmm. um, I think now that there have been there have been much there have been bigger protests that have gone on for a much longer period of time than I think there have there has been in the past five years mm -hmm. that more people are willing to listen and more people are holding themselves accountable but also they're holding uh policymakers and politicians accountable mm -hmm. in a way that they were willing to hear it but they weren't willing to really do anything about it right i think now the conversation about police use of force is reaching a lot more people than when it was just one person that was specific to toledo i think now that it has become i think george floyd while he was kind of the the spark that like lit up the entire world we've been fighting for this literally for hundreds of years yeah but we had that that big wave during the civil rights movement and now i think we're in that that new wave of having everyone come together and really fight for comprehensive change and while back then it was for voting rights that were specific to the black community, I think now we're looking at the, the, the new wave of civil rights for all Americans and everyone can see how 
police are targeting and they are inflicting violence in communities and we have their attention now to say mm -hmm. okay you see it you see what's happening you understand why we've been so upset for me the past five years for julian the past 10 for my mother the past 60. like yeah. you see why we're upset yeah. let me show you what to do to fix it yeah mm -hmm. and now that we've got that momentum i think i'm seeing much more involvement from different agencies that are like okay oh yes yes defund the police help us help more people yeah as opposed mm -hmm. to just like one person like hey um they're, they're killing us yeah, yeah. so <laughs> so uh, th i think that there's a few things here that that are different mm -hmm. one i think that it was incredibly powerful and heart-wrenching um to hear george floyd call out for his mother mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I think that was something that we could all relate to every human being, right? Mm -hmm. That just wants their mother. Yeah. You know what I mean? When they're holding on for their dear life. Um uh to seeing him, you know, take his last breath. Um and have other other officers actively preventing him from be having his life saved. Right. Mm -hmm. Um but three, and 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 I think this is this is I think we have to kind of zoom out a little bit. Uh, to look at the exacerbated circumstances of poor and working class people, um, I think we were on a verge of a revolution anyway, mm -hmm. right? When we look at the, um, the listen, we just saw uh, multinational corporations uh, take trillions of dollars, I think, what, two or three or four trillion dollars, right, during COVID-19, while we're having a conversation about people uh, just not being homeless, right, having food. Uh, being able to have one mask, uh, it, it being able to schools have because care. of this pandemic, and then all of a sudden, that's when everyone was like, "Well, what are the kids going to eat if we close the schools?" It's like, what the fuck? Right. <laughs> even in Perrysburg, they're Perrysburg, the richest suburb of Toledo, are doing food drive for like so. Even the kids in Perrysburg can't fucking feed themselves because of this right. pandemic. Right. Like now, we're talking about this. Like, what right. the hell is happening? Right. Right. So we have these exacerbated conditions. We have people who are struggling. We have people who you know, um, or we're ready for a revolution, I would say anyway, mm -hmm. economically, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, you know, you have this, this spark, right? Where we realize, where one, there's people who have been doing the work and the infrastructure and uh, organizations like have already been built and are ready to go, right? Like, so there's a lot of new organizations that like kind of came about in 2013, 14, 15, 16, things like that. And now these organizations have trained, they, 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 they have experience, you know what I mean? And they're ready to go. And so now it's just about, um, so now it, I think it really is about, you know, revo revolutionizing uh, America, yeah. right? We are at the precipice of a, of a revolution where we don't have to um, continue to live this way right where we have an authoritarian uh state domestically right where, where you're terrorized uh for any given reason and have no recourse for accountability right we we see how much of the you know i find it completely mind-boggling that like we have this huge pr policing problem where police in america kill more people than anywhere else in the world right mm -hmm. and then america has the nerve to function as the world's police Right. right. And, and we're functioning. We have a military that's functioning as policing the entire world. And the majority of our federal dollars goes towards 
um, this military spending. So like, if we were to apply that domestically, a mat, like there are no limits with education. Right. There are no limits, um, in like we could eliminate homelessness and poverty effectively, right. right? If we were to do that. And I think people are, and crime. Yeah. Right? Like that is why we have crime. Yeah. People are poor and broke, right? And, and they, yeah. they would rather risk, um, a risky life uh dealing drugs as a career path then then because the economic opportunities and the climbing the economic ladder these opportunities are too far away and have been taken away due to blocks in the system and because of over policing in our neighborhoods right like mm -hmm. a lot of people would go to college and, and be a businessman you know what I mean? Um, if 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 you know they didn't get caught caught up if they didn't get caught with that gun when they were nineteen years old, you know what I mean, yeah. and things like that, right? So um, so so like these like I think it's important to look um, very close up, right, at the close reforms at the eight they can't wait. Uh, kind of look at. I think I think we need reform directly, immediately, right away, mm -hmm. right? But I think it, it needs to be on a path towards divesting and mm -hmm. investing, divesting in the police department, investing in our communities. But and then um, on another level, right, um, when we look at us being the world police and we look at how we bail out uh, um, um, multinational corporations and we essentially have corporate welfare, um, but can't uh, apply a minimum basic income, for human beings uh, in America to help prevent poverty, right? Mm -hmm. Like these are the things that needs to change and we have the money to do it. Yeah. Yeah. We demand a re this revolution and we demand this change. Yes. So I have a kind of a follow-up question. Um, sure. I live in, you guys know where I live, in Maumee, a, a mm -hmm. white suburb, right? It's mm -hmm. way white. Um, so, and just, so just a story too, real quick first about our police. Um, you guys have seen where I live. I live on a road, um, kind of a busy road, river road, where our driveways are very short. And lately yes. the police have been coming around to ticket anyone parked in our driveway for um, parking. Oh, for blocking the sidewalk. Blocking oh. the sidewalk, right? It's a $25 ticket. Um, to me, that means, yeah, so sorry, Sky, you're going to have to park on the street next time you come. But first of all, the first thing in my head was like, why are they wasting their time with this? It's a sidewalk. Like you, to me, that means we have too many police. If you have enough time in your shift to come give a ticket for blocking a sidewalk. So therefore, if we have too much police, where can that money go? maybe some bike and walking lanes in River Road so then you can walk in the street safely and not walk. So that's just like a white suburb sort of attitude to this right. too, right? Like it's not right. just inner city, big cities where there's a lot of black people living, like white suburbs can be doing these things too and shifting resources. Mm -hmm. But right. that brings me to my next question where if the city of Toledo, a, a big, metropolitan city with a lot of white suburbs surrounding it if the city of toledo starts defunding their police but mommy doesn't and if mommy is still over policed what does that look like for our community as a whole and like i feel like that would create a very unsafe situation for people of color who might work in mommy or live in mommy 
or travel between Toledo and Maumee in a way that you get, you get what I'm saying with that. It, it, it seems to set up this um, situation like what happened in Ottawa Hills years ago when, um, you know, white cops were really, really targeting any black person that comes through the suburbs and maybe they still do. I don't know, but it just, it seems to set up that like perfect scenario of white police over-policing black people once again. Mm -hmm. So this is where I think it really falls into the idea of allies becoming accomplices. So mm -hmm. when we talk about specifically for Toledo, we want to defund the police in Toledo because we know of our experiences with police in Toledo. The same thing has to happen, though, around the country. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. the same way that you can identify ways in which there's over-policing in Maumee, that goes to show you that there can be defunding of the Maumee Police Department as well. Right. Policing is a problem in the United States. Right. The fact that there are so many programs that are reliant on tickets to continue to keep them funded means that there is there is already inherently over policing in the the budget that 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 has been created. So yeah. when you look at all of the things that, that we're trying to do with TPD to defund them, then that has to spread out to the Ottawa Hills Police Department, the Maumee Police Department, the Perrysburg Police Department, because on some level, police have that culture of believing that they are above the law in many cases and that they can inflict either financial or physical violence on the people that they are supposed to serve and protect. So yeah. you just have to identify how police are targeting your community as the reason to defund them and then also identify ways to reallocate those resources so you can, uh, you can be more specific about how it's going to help in the long run. Now, how our resources um, would be affected by a defunding of TPD may look completely different to how those resources would be reallocated to Maumee. But yeah. again, when you talk about making systemic change, you have to allow the people who are directly affected to lead that change. Mm -hmm. I can't lead a change for uh, policing in Maumee because I don't know what policing in Maumee looks like. I would have never thought of getting a $25 ticket um, for parking in a driveway. I'm more concerned about the guy who the police have followed into my driveway and now they're mm -hmm. attempting to arrest him. So Absolutely. our perspectives are different, but the goal yeah. is still the same. Yeah, no, and I think, I, I'm glad you talked about that nationwide because I do think it is going to have to be nationwide, right? Because yeah. when you talk about crossing state lines or, but any major right. city, even Minneapolis right. has a ton of white suburbs around it, Eden Prairie, right. Edina, um, my brother lives in, lives up there and um, I was born there. So like, mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot of different, you know, sectors across the country where like, you want to make sure that we're doing right. this. Right, because sort of it also, yeah, because it also comes down to, like, if you look at policing historically, you have places that are sundown towns that when, if you are a Black person, you are out of that neighborhood yeah. before dusk because you know that the police will openly target you. Yeah. And so yeah. that's why when it comes to defunding, especially in those places that exist as sundown towns, you have to make sure that there is an inherent safety net so that it's not keeping people out, but it's protecting them and not by force, but by resources. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and one thing I think that, that I think needs to be said is while um, I, I don't think that we've tracked or, or, or paid attention to until recently, actually 
the if you if you look at the raw numbers and you can go to mappingpoliceviolence.org for this the um police murders in, in metropolitan uh areas are actually dropping um even though we're still at like a thousand a year while in suburban suburban and rural areas they're actually increasing right now there could be a lot of speculative reasoning for this, right? Like I won't get into the, the politics of suburbs right. and rural sure. areas versus urban areas and, and the, you know what I mean? And then you have the whole police union aspect to it. But that's, that, that is something that's happening, you know what I mean? And, you know, that is, I mean, that's a, that's a legit question. I won't, mm -hmm. I won't try to rephrase Ruth's question. <laughs> I thought we should have a whole nother episode about that. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. they'd be deep dive into this police union and, and these contracts that just—I mean, they—they—they they, they think they're above the law because they are above the law. Because right, and, and elected officials are terrified of them. Yeah, right. Like we need elected officials with a backbone that's willing to stand up to right. police unions. Right, right, and and, and ooh. Like, and so, okay, so like I talked about this this yesterday, and I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah. I talked about this yesterday about the fact of you have all of these different unions. You have the teachers union, you have the welders union, all these different unions. I can openly state or say, I don't like teachers or I don't like welders or I don't like carpenters. And me saying that it can just be my opinion. I don't have to worry about though, being targeted by a teacher and being worried for my life. But publicly <laughs> stating, I do not like police or I do not trust police. Now I'm worried, exactly. I'm, I'm worried about wait. who heard me, who's wait. going to, how is that going to get back to the police? I shouldn't be scared to have an opinion yeah. about a group of people because the protection and their ability to be above the law is so inherent to their foundation like that's mm -hmm. if, if that's not reason enough to at least start the conversation for defunding them and taking yeah. some of that power away and getting some of them off the street, I don't know what it is. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think particularly for Democratic candidates, unions are kind of um, where we get a lot of money from the party, right? Unions right. Have, have traditionally been Democrat and, and unions have done a lot of good. For, yeah, right. for the labor movement, right? Like no right. argument there. However, it, I guess it all goes back to who is policing the police and who yep. is yeah. holding them accountable. And if it's not the union, exactly. then who who's going to hold these people accountable? Because it's, well, it has to be some level of accountability outside of themselves. Right. I mean, it just is a recipe for disaster. Obviously, right. we have experienced this. The police can't police the police. It just right. it just <laughs> work man right. i know i know yeah and i mean honestly it all just circles back around to the the inherent belief that they are above the law right. when there is uh legislation that's attempting to be passed to have them hand out business cards just for a level of accountability and there's pushback already from that yeah. so yeah. i mean like i don't i don't know if this is the end but i just want to like reiterate the fact that you know i you can only ask so much before you start to demand. Yeah, and right. we, we are asking for the bare minimum. And I can almost guarantee you that if these business cards end up being held up in committee, then all bets are off. 
Yeah. Because you, if, if I'm asking you for do, to do the bare minimum of, of, of having any form of accountability when you are a civil servant and you can't do that, then I don't, I don't need, I don't need your help anymore. Yeah. yeah. I think just, just to add just a little bit more context, um, like policing was created to protect the wealth and the resources of rich white men. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and we have to remember like that is really, never really changed right like like the reason why there are are you know so many in black communities is because it's protecting the wealth of rich white men right and it's not there to um like i said we already know more police doesn't make the community safer it's right. all about resources right. right and so like we have to to realize that right and we have to just we can't work off this colonialized idea that we've been right. kind of been uh, indoctrinated with right. um, of just the false realities mm -hmm. uh, that just have never existed, right. you know? And, and, and I think that's something that is, that we all consciously have to do, like, and I, like decolonize our brain mm -hmm. um, from, the lies that we were taught as children you know what i mean <laughs> that takes it's, fucking work too man like it does yeah like post up y'all let's do this it's time it's it is i mean we were taught a ton of lies as children i keep seeing like yeah. something shared on twitter about how the civil rights movement was just rosa parks sitting on a bus wouldn't get up Right. That that was the civil rights movement, right? That's like that's what we learned. That's cool. It. Like we didn't learn anything hard. Anything. None of the hard stuff. Like that's it. MLK, he died. Like that's it. Done. Yeah. Right. Like that's all we fucking learned, and now we have to like relearn everything right, right. now. And people right. are. Somehow, I saw I saw a meme about that where it was like, yeah. First, we started with slavery, and then Lincoln freed the slaves, and then everything was okay. But then people got really mean again. And then, like you said, Rosa Parks wouldn't give up her seat. But then Martin Luther King came. But then Malcolm X didn't agree with them. But they were both killed by racists. But then we caught one of the racists, and that was fine. And it's like, that's literally every history book I have ever seen. Yeah. yeah. But, but, um, I mean, I, I just want to stress, though, like, we are the history makers. This right. is... Like we have to fully, uh, I think that there's so much power that we get in ourselves realizing the historic moment that we're in. I mean, this is the pandemic of 1918, plus the Great Depression, plus the Civil Rights Movement, plus some new thing that Donald Trump is, right? Like, <laughs> so like you add all those things combined together there has never been a moment like this in history. We have to own this. And, and, and we are the ones that are going to change the world. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I think we should end on that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, y'all. Yeah. Unless um, there's anything else you want to add. Um, I think we should have you guys on our podcast. To do we would a yeah. Let's just go full crossover. Let's do it. I'm tweeting more, so follow me on Twitter at Golden Rule Mac. Okay. 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 Yes. Donate. I mean, you donate. Donate to bail out black moms. Um we are uh still fundraising to bail out black mamas by Juneteenth. And then also be on the lookout because we may be making a trip to DC for the March on Washington. Will you tell everybody again where you can donate? 
Yes, um, you can donate. Uh, you can go to csrntoledo.com. Uh, you can go to Cash App with the cash tag CSR. Is that backwards? It's backwards. Nope, it's good. No, that's good. Oh, okay, perfect. Um, you can go to um, CSRN Bailout uh, with the cash tag or paypal.me backslash CSRN419. Awesome. Thank yes. you, guys. Yeah. Oh, I just well, we had you. issues, girl. We had lots of issues today. But we yeah. are together united. We yeah. are. Thank y'all so much. Yeah, we love you guys. Thank you for doing this with us. Yes, yes, yes. And we'll keep you in the loop for when uh, when we can do our crossover. Yeah, for sure. Perfect. We want to continue okay. the conversation and uh, we want to hold more white people accountable. And I mean, I think it's important. We want to be accomplices. I want to be yes. And and tune in next week for another episode of We've Got Issues Girl. Yes. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys.